Hi, this is Ann Hill from Dream Talk Radio, and today I have with me Ryan Hurd, who is a friend of mine. Ryan is a dream researcher. He uh, writes at dreamstudies.org, and his most recent book, which we will be talking about, is Dream Like a Boss. It's an ebook. It's Sleep Better, Dream More, and Wake Up to What Matters Most. Ryan, welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. It's so good to be here. And great to have you back. You know, I have to say, this is actually the sixth anniversary of me starting Dream Talk Radio. So you are on the anniversary of the beginning oh, of the show. Way cool. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you. I, I think we've talked probably about three or four times, maybe give or take, over the course of the show. So anyway, it's great to have you back. And yeah. I want to start off by talking about your book, Dream Like a Boss. Okay, the most popular question I've gotten so far is why that title what's it, what is it about the boss what what is it that grabbed you about that title it's um I think it's kind of a joke that's going over some people's head and it's it's <laughs> it's, it's it's supposed to be tongue-in-cheek it's supposed to be uh, taking a, it's an American meme I mean I think probably like Australian and you know um, English people are like what is this about um, you know, so there's a Saturday Night Live skit from a few years ago um, that the Lonely Planet did, like a boss. It's uh, hilarious. I um, and that's pretty much was the most direct influence for it. But it's the end of the vernacular, especially for people under the age of you know 25 or 30. Um, and so when you do something like a boss, it just means that you rock it. You're a champ. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you you know rock and roll basically. Right. So dream like a boss is how to be a badass in the dream world. Um, and to, and, you know, and so it has, you know, a lot of energy and vitality about it. It's not about like how to be like a corporate schmuck. Um, uh, and in fact, that's the whole, you know, reason I have kind of this guy on the cover with the, the briefcase is kind of playing at that a little bit. I think that's uh -huh. what's going over people's head, a little, um, especially my, um, my readers that are over the age of 50 are kind of like, really, is this some kind of like corporate training? That's not what I'm getting into. Right. <laughs> <It> really <is. laughs> well, that makes sense, and I, I'm glad to hear you explain it. I, I, I for one, think it's it's head uh, and shoulders over the take control of your dreams meme that was popular, you know, when I was that age. So if it's dream like a boss, I'm, I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you know, I'm trying to, you know, I want the book to be read by people who maybe haven't read a dream book before. Uh -huh. Yeah. And what I'm finding is is that there's a large audience of people um, who are interested in dream work, but they don't know to call it dream work. And but they're at the same time they're interested in the science behind dreams. And if there's not the science component, they don't really want to hear about it. Yeah. And so that's kind of what this book does is I tried to position it in a way that I'm basically integrating um, the most useful of dream research, the stuff that actually applied to our lives, mm -hmm. um, along with DreamWork basics, and kind of use it as an introduction into the world of DreamWork, and really pointing out all of the great thinkers and methods and other books that people can read that really go into each one of these components and methods. Um, I really, you know, especially all the people that are in the International Association for the Study of Dreams, I really try to highlight all of those, uh, you know, benefits and, and things that have, you know, so it's really about showing this community um, of dream work. 
Well, and that is really the great strength of not only the book, but about your writing in general. I mean, I've always found you to be much more lucid, if I can use the term, in terms of being able to digest large swaths of, of rather dry or scientific research and parse it down into a very interesting story and, and language that is accessible. And um, I like how you say in the introduction that you're, you're really a dream pragmatist. You know, you don't, you're, you're not falling into one camp or the other. And the book really is full of links to stuff. My book too, which thank you about that. It, <laughs> but you know, all sorts of, I mean, the, I, I literally, I was look I was reading it on my Kindle and I was getting towards the last chapter and I looked down and boy, I'm only like 60% done with the book. Well, the rest of it is all footnotes and resources. And I mean, it's a huge, it, it's a great, it's like the central terminal from which people who are interested can go into way more depth on really any, in any direction. Yeah, great. Well, that's what I'm hoping is that people yeah. will actually use these resources that are in the back of the book. And then those who are interested in a particular topic I really did footnote the heck out of it. I mean, there's yeah. got to be about a hundred footnotes. Then you can, you know, Kindle is so cool because you can just link to the footnote and you can copy and paste it. And then a lot of those are actually freely available on the internet because mm -hmm. of how cool it is now to get research in PDF. So you can actually look at the mm -hmm. research supporting this stuff. And that's what I want. I want, you know, I wanted to present a whole bunch and then, so, you know, it's not going to, you know, the books going to have so many different people with different needs. Yeah. Not all of it's going to make sense for the one individual reader, but right. I was hoping, well, maybe it's going to, something will glom on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, one thing I wanted to talk about in, in, in amongst all the themes that you bring up, um, I mean, you've, you've got this great mix of sleep science and also dream science, and the two are slightly different. But I wanted to focus first on the idea of dreams as a feedback system. You mentioned that in the book, and I'm wondering if you could just expand on that notion and let people know what about dreams, what what kind of feedback you're talking about. Great, that's a that's a really great way to frame it. Um, starting with the feedback of all of our ways of living. Um, if if you think about a dream as a, as just a part of the creative mind, the same creative mind that we have during the day, but it's it's doing something a little different. It's, you know, the way that we're thinking is a little different in the dream. There's more, there's more intensity, there's more emotion, and there tends to be more vibrant imagery that we kind of tend to get from our normal, you know, day-to-day -day thinking. Um, and even though dreams are hard to remember, when you do remember a dream, you remember it intensely. And the, the images in particular just have such a, they're, they're just, they're whole. They just present to you here it is, you know, and, and so, to, to, you know, really to, to look at that, um, the feedback system is simply, rather than trying to, like, parse a dream and figure out, like, what it equals and what it's trying to say about your waking life, the idea is to bring the dream image for the moment and to sit with it in waking life and then sort of see over time if that brings new dreams. And then basically the feedback system is that dreams in waking life begin a conversation with each other. Mm -hmm. um, the dreams change and the way that you think in waking life becomes, you know, malleable as well. And you kind of, you can actually get some of that creative energy into waking life. Mm -hmm. And so in, on one level, there's that, that feedback system. But also, you know, dreams aren't just cognitive, they're, they're somatic. Yeah. Um, and I really think that often... 
uh, in the dualism of the dreams come from inside us or from you know out in the astral plane, we forget about the body and 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 what the body is expressing. And of course, our bodily laments come through our dreams, mm -hmm. and 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 those are really a nice feedback system to pay attention to as well. Um, and there are some stories in the book about people who have um, had you know um, like things like breast cancer come into their awareness through their dreams. And these are really incredible stories, um, but also things that are more prosaic on every day, such as like daily anxiety levels can be seen as red flags and nightmares and dreams. And so once you kind of begin to look at and notice your particular symbol or imagery that comes up because they're repetitive, they keep coming back, you know, right. you can really begin to use the dream as a feedback system for, oh, I'm for whatever reason, my usual methods of um, stress reduction aren't working right now right. Uh, because I just dreamt about my teeth falling out. This is my own personal <laughs> thing. My teeth fall out. It means that you know I'm, something's not working in my life, mm -hmm. and I need to I need to spend more time like doing self care or you know uh -huh. cutting back on my coffee habit. You know, it's very prosaic these things that can, right. can come. So it doesn't always have to be about your higher self and God and the highest stuff. It can be about the business of living. Yeah, I think that's right. That's right, and that's really smart too. Yeah, I was. Um, you know, one of the things that I am, am getting, I'm. It's slowly sort of seeping into to my awareness. Uh, at the different stages of sleep. I mean, I'm one of those people who uh, I'm just. I'm so impatient, and if I'm not getting to sleep, instantly I'll start. God, I'm not getting to sleep. You know. And just the other day, I, I, I had laid down, uh, for some reason, I must have been fighting off a cold, but I, the, you know that feeling in the middle of the afternoon, it hits you like a ton of bricks, I need to take a nap, I'm not going to take five more steps until I'm in bed and just sleep. So I'm lying there in bed, and of course, then the thing, you know, it's like, oh, no, I'm not going to get to sleep, I know I'm not going to get to sleep, and then I realize that I'm starting to, my thoughts are kind of starting to drift into a dream. And then I think, oh, this must be, you know, the first, like, first stage one or stage two sleep, which means that I'm thinking that I'm still awake, but really my body is getting the benefits of a dream. So I'm just going to relax. <laughs> and with all that complicated mental machination, I managed to get to sleep, but it's so interesting. You know, that sort of just knowing more about the sleep cycle enabled me to get better sleep. And I did sleep for about 40 minutes. So. Yeah, I, that's you know that point you brought up is really interesting because there's been some studies about showing people with insomnia that they actually are getting a lot more sleep than they think they are sometimes yeah. because they're actually in a light st sleep stage, dreaming about their anxiety about not sleeping. <laughs> I excel is, at that. Which is just it's so cruel, you know, when you think about yeah. it. Uh, because you're still experiencing anxiety, and it yeah. still isn't, you know, it's not exactly what we want out of our sleep at all, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then the, the other thing I'll just, um, you, you know, when you're talking about feedback, so I think there is that, once we know more about the sleep cycle, we can actually use that information to kind of help harness it, and like you, you lay out in the book, all the things that we can do to make our sleep space more conducive to sleeping, you know, keeping the Wi-Fi out, uh, turning down the lights, and all, all that sort of sleep hygiene stuff, but I there's something about that hypnagogic state, too, the, the hypnagogic meaning going to sleep, it's kind of like stalactite and stalagmite, like hypnagogic, 
and uh, so anyway, you know, thinking about your, your state of mind in there, and as a, you know, I tend to, I tend to go towards in, insomnia too, and I found that that is a really great place to uh, just use the the kind of, you know, s walking slowly into a marsh feeling of going into sleep and into a dream to kind of shift my my emotional state from from waking too. And so yeah, great. I I love that idea of 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 the feedback. Yeah, right. Yeah, and one of the things that I've been kind of experimenting with recently is um, bringing back, you know, helpful or healing imagery that is occurring spontaneously in a dream and then meditating on that image while going to sleep. Mm -hmm. If I'm having trouble getting to sleep because my mind is just in a, you know, going in overload because of, you know, waking life stuff. Yeah. Um, because this is an image that came to me spontaneously and, and it, it's, it's fruitful. Uh, mm -hmm. And when I bring that into my mind as I'm trying to go to sleep, it mm -hmm. really does a great job of piecing me out and just it's almost like it's your you know personal portal into the dream. Right. Um, yeah, you know, and so it, it's nice, you know, you visual you know, visualizations and um, that people you know give to you, you know, and like when you listen to meditations work too. Mm -hmm. But if you can find your own imagery, it's all yeah. that more effective to to kind of making that slide into into sleep quickly. Yeah, and, and you know, more and more, to me, I mean, I find that, it, it, at least lately, I'm writing down fewer dreams, but I am having a lot more interesting kind of inner dialogues at that point. Um, for instance, just the other night, I was, uh, d during the holidays, and I was sort of drifting off to sleep, but I was, um, y you know, anxious about something, something like, you know, travel, money thing wasn't quite coming together the way I wanted it to and I was falling asleep and I realized this dream that I was having was sort of going more and more into an anxiety dream, like I couldn't make the pieces fit or I couldn't, you know, you know what the, whatever that is and being able to kind of realize, oh, this is turning into a really unpleasant dream. And I can only, I'm not really a big lucid dreamer, but I can sometimes like jump on the train as I'm going to sleep and say, wait, this is, and so at that point, like you say, you know, it's a great place to say, okay, let's, let's broaden out my perspective here. What's really going on? Why am I feeling so um, claustrophobic right now? What's my worry about? Okay, well, I can't control this. And it really, it's, it's like a challenge. Every night, I can't actually use the same visualization more than one or two nights. I have to keep exploring that. And so like the last one I was like, okay, I can't control that. Yeah, and there's so many things I can't control. Like look at the vast reaches of the universe. I can't control any of it. And somehow just like, just even getting a different perspective, getting out of my little story helped. So you, you, I never quite know where it's going to be, but there is the feeling when when I get onto a really good, like a meditation or an affirmation or a visualization, it really does relax my body, you know, back to your yeah, idea yeah. of the somatic quality of dreams, and, you know, I, I just sort of get open, everything kind of opens up, and things aren't, you, because you tend to sort of constrict when you're anxious, so, mm -hmm. but it's it's really a fascinating journey. Uh, it, and it's always changing. I mean, it's, it really is. Now I've been experimenting with a variation of uh, practices in the book that I called the backwards day. 
Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Tell uh, more about that. That's a so great... That's something that I think it was Fariba Bagzaran uh, who cued me into that. And, if, you know, I think it's an ancient Sufi or um, method. It, you know, it's one of these things that's been around for a very long time in many cultures. But the idea is that as, you're, um, as you, you know, get into position for sleep, um, rather than counting sheep or something, <clears throat> you go through your day, what happened in backwards order, starting with what just happened, I brushed my teeth, you know, and got into bed, and then go through the day, and, you, and of course you can't go through every moment, but what comes up is the stuff that's emotionally charged, um, mm -hmm. and the stuff that you have anxiety over, and the stuff that's completely undone, or unfinished, um, and, but you can also notice successes in, in, the, in the highlights, and it just kind of, you go through it, and it kind of just loosens you up a little bit, and um, so the variation is, is that I've been doing this with my son, uh, Connor, who's now two, and so I just, I sit down, you know, I lay down with him, and I verbalize with him, well, let's think about what a great day we had today, you know, first, <laughs> We just watched, you know, Thomas the Tank Engine. Uh, before that, we watched Thomas the Tank Engine, and then, you know, we keep going through the day, uh, you know. And it's it's yeah. funny because he, of course, he just likes the rhythm of the voice, and that's what helps him fall asleep. Right. We both fall asleep with me doing this. I actually fall asleep with him. Um, and maybe it's all the Thomas. I don't know, but um, it, it really is. And, and maybe that's the point. You fall asleep in the practice um, yeah. before you get to the to the morning often. And and I don't know if this is empirically proven or anything, but um, I do think there's a possibility that this practice can prevent those kind of annoying anxiety dreams that yeah. are kind of the ephemeral fears that that mm -hmm. crop up in the first half of the night. Mm -hmm. um, it seems to be true for me, at least. Uh huh. Well, I, I think it, it has great potential. In fact, I've suggested it to my own kids who, you know, there's one still in college, but, you know, they, because that's a, it, I, I, I've, and I've practiced it too, and it really works well. I think there's something about sort of short-circuiting that tendency of our daytime anxieties to, 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 to be the things that we end up dreaming about. And then we wake up. It's kind of like this self-fulfilling cycle. Then we wake up thinking, another office dream. <laughs> <laughs> right. Or, or another X dream. You know, can I ever get off the, the stick so it's a great practice? No, you never will. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's uh, true. <laughs> I dream about high school still, uh, probably. Uh, I mean, at least I'd say once a month. It's probably more than that. But, yeah. um, man, you know, it's just uh, here yeah. I am at my locker. And yes. uh, <laughs> it's funny, but those are those are our myths. Those are our personal myths. So got to learn how to work with them, you know. Well, let's go to – let's go to – Myths and talking about myths is that's a great segue because you you discuss that in, in a really intelligent way too in the book the idea of personal metaphors Kelly Bulkley's thing of the root metaphors and this idea that we each have individual myths that sort of guide our lives in in some ways in in conscious and unconscious ways and I'm wondering what you if you could comment on the I believe it's Jung who said a dream is a a private myth. And a myth is a public dream. How do you relate to that phrase, that thought? I think that was Joseph Campbell who said that. Oh, was that. It Campbell? That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's so true. And mm -hmm. 
um, of course, Campbell brings so many ideas in from Jung that he might as well have come from Jung. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, a lot of my thinking, I think, is influenced by Stanley Krippner's work on personal mythology, which is a really incredible um, program. You can, you can buy the book or you can go through a program that he does with his co-author. And it's just... Um, it's really fun, lots of practices and stuff like that. And so this, mm -hmm. the general idea is that we all have these myths, these stories that we live out. Um, and of course, we, you know, we know from Campbell that the big stories of the hero's quest, you know, sort of the mother of all myths that we kind of, that we put ourselves in. Yeah. Um, and that seems to just be absolutely universal across cultures. And, you know, it's a function mm -hmm. of the ego, perhaps. Um, but there's these other kind of other lesser stories that have more to do with our roles and our relationships and also our changing relationship to the role we're playing as we age. And so, that, and, the, and so our, you know, our roles are always changing. And so um, sometimes a myth gets stuck and we're in a new part of life, but it's an old myth that is still dogging us and preventing us from really being able to achieve or do what we want to do. Mm -hmm. um, for instance, for me, I used to have a huge fear of speaking in public when, and it was all basically, you know, I think everybody has this fear, but you know, it took a long time for me to work through it. And it has to do with because I used to have a lisp when I was like in the fourth grade, up into the fourth grade. I mm -hmm. couldn't pronounce my own name until I was eight oh, years right. old. Um, and, and so, um, in fact, sometimes when I'm nervous um, in like public speaking engagements, the lisp will come back just maybe mm -hmm. just a little bit. You know, I'll notice it and I'll be like, oh, there it is. There, uh -huh. right. Uh, so anyway, I had to work through this sort of myth that I, that I can't speak, I can't mm -hmm. find my voice, and I have lots and lots of dreams about me not being able to talk or find mm -hmm. my voice, or even vocalize and like find the, right. the, you know, the power to, 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 to speak. Right. Um, and so that's something that you know that's just kind of continuously been working through. But we have small ones and big ones, and uh, it's just a, it's fantastic. And and then of course when you link it into the into the, like the you know the actual like classic mythology, because so many of these existential stories are pan-human. You yeah. know, you you'll see them in the classic myths of Homer or in Disney, you know, which is right. just about as uh, influential, if not more so. Uh, you know, and it's it's just a remarkable way to look at it. And and I have to say, when you have a dream journal over the years, you can really get the most use of watching these myths change over time. That's right. That's right. And you know, maybe this is a good time to talk about the project that you and I are both part of, which is Shadow, this great new app that's that's in development. Which you know, to me, I'm very excited about the app because. I, I completely agree with you. Looking at my dream journals, which are now, I mean, 17 was the first dream I wrote down. So, you know, that's that's a lot of years now. And I wish I had them all keyed so that I could look back and just find all my snake dreams or find all my wolf dreams or all the bicycle dreams or whatever, you know, whatever I'm looking for. And so you and I are are embarked as uh, on this journey with shadow as as dream advisors maybe you could say a little bit about just the whole the database and the 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 frontiers that that we're at right now in terms of dream research and understanding this mythology piece yeah i think shadow really has um a lot of potential for helping us unlock some of these untold stories and mm -hmm. 
I mean, I, I can't wait just from a personal perspective to start um, using using an app to write to, to record my dream um, while I'm making the oatmeal, for instance, in the morning right. because I am having so much time trouble finding the time to write down the dreams in the first half of the day um, with with my childcare situation, and it's right. just it's just really tough. Um, and I, there's so many of us that have one reason or another uh, mm. have that difficulty. And as you know, like the longer you go from waking up to recording that dream, the shorter the dream report gets, right? Uh, and the neater the narrative gets, and it starts kind of becoming a little too clean, <laughs> right? Uh, and you really, I mean, really, the best the best thing for dreams is to is to record it as soon as you can. And to get all that nitty gritty and that detail and even the stuff, especially the stuff that doesn't make sense. And it's yeah. like, I don't know if it was this or that, that kind of, right. uh, you know, ambiguity is really important. Um, so, so Shadow, um, you know, can, can do that for us because it will, will be able to, you know, speak our dream to an app and, and it'll, it'll record it into text and then, you know the way that we'll be able to make categories out of the dream. Some of that still they're still working out how that's going to look like, but there's going to yeah. be categories and it's going to be image based in some ways. And um, and and like you know your classic dream journal, the more that you know we use the app, um, the the more benefit we'll get from it because those patterns will will become more and more obvious. So we can start tagging them and watching them and. And um, reinforcing them, um, you know, and as um, you know, as lucid dreamers know, like if you want to have more lucid dreams, you know, you look for those repetitive, bizarre imagery that comes up spontaneously, mm -hmm. and then you try to have a moment of self-reflectiveness about that mm -hmm. particular image. Those right. are the most successful dream signs, and so shadow could even help with, you know, kind of more esoteric, you know, dream tactics like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's 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 pretty fascinating, and I am not a scientist, but I really appreciate having friends who are, <laughs> who and and being watching it from my seat as a person. You know, I I basically help people with that feedback loop is what I think of about my role as a you know dream analyst or a dream advisor or whatever. But it it's it is a pretty fascinating thing, and just to think about all of the things that we like going back to the whole idea of the body mind and how much I mean I'm a firm believer that you know when we think about body mind really what we're doing we're still privileging the the brain the mind as the top that sort of seeps into the body but I think the more dream research we do the more we're going to find that there is this intelligence in the extremities and in our larger energy field that that comes in and, and becomes integrated uh, with our past experience and emotional states, etc., through dreams, I, I'm so I'm really uh, thrilled with the the ability to kind of get a huge data set and look at some of these uh, concepts that we can only kind of speculate about now, and it sounds maybe a little woo or a little you know too non-sciency to to talk about in any with any intelligence right now. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be kind of fun once all the data starts coming in, and then you know, and of course it's a matter of asking the right questions and finding, and, and keeping the data clean and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And I mean, I'm not a scientist either, so I mean, my my role with Shadow is 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 more um, in, kind of involving with uh, with lucid dreaming for one, mm -hmm. um, but also um, like categorizing dream types and that kind of thing. 
Um, but they've got some great scientists behind them as well. I mean, Deirdre mm -hmm. uh, Barrett is um, is also advising, yeah. um, and the neuroscientists who are behind it. It's, it's, it's such a cool time to be a dreamer. I'm just, you know, um, it's just, we have so much um, available for us once you start looking, yeah. and not just the technology, but the ability to, to find communities. Um, and well, part of that's technology because a lot of the community is online, and that's yeah. you know breaking that sort of seeming isolation, because uh, we all feel a little isolated as dreamers, um, and that's really typical. And it's hard yeah. to find somebody to 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 listen to your dream or to provide or to provide that space. Um, mm -hmm. And it doesn't always work. You know, you you hope that you can do it with your family some, but it doesn't mm -hmm. always work for people. And right. so it's nice to, to that there's these outlets that are really um, maturing, I think, and becoming um, more, of, you know, easy to use. Yeah. And, and again, you know, I'd point people to the resource section of your book because you have pages and pages of online uh, communities and, and resources that I, you know, many of them that I didn't even know about. So just incredibly useful um, resources and, and links. In that, uh, in Dream Like a Boss. Let's see. I've got a couple more questions for you, but I'm actually I'm going to answer uh, ask a question from one of our viewers. Um, Mike Mellinger says congratulations on the book, and asks, Have you ever imagined a television or web show that focused on dream work? What would that be like? Is there anything like it already out there? And would it help to popularize the subject? Do you think? I've got some ideas on this, but I'm really interested to hear what you have to say, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I I dream of that being done in a in a good way, and you know it um it was done um 30 years ago. Uh, Jeremy Taylor had had a, a really popular nationally broadcast show, I um and I think it was with AOL. He, later, he did something right. in the early 90s or something too. I mean, it, um it's had a, a couple of things. It's it's tough for dream work to go uh, national because the culture of dreams changes when you kind of get up into the mm -hmm. Ellen or the Oprah category and it becomes right. sort of more about fixed dream interpretation right. um, and it's really hard to change that meme um, and I think the right. person who's doing one of the best jobs at that is Gail Delaney who is mm -hmm. still um, getting on national shows and talking about dreams and when people say dream interpretation she says you know dream interpretation is an outdated way of looking at dreams um, it's there's it's really a more personal fluid system than than taking a symbol and decoding it, mm -hmm. um, and so there are some people who are doing it. But I would love to see see this happen, and I think the future is probably Anne <laughs> Anne in your show and like making that into like you know DreamTalkRadio.tv. Yeah, uh, and just you know. I mean, already you've got such a, a, a you know back catalog of amazing uh, interviews and. I'd like to hear your ideas about this. Well, you know, I I really got the bug. I mean, like I say, it's been six years since I thought, well, maybe I can do a once-a-week radio show on dreams. You know, maybe I'll last six weeks without running out of material. And, you know, six <laughs> years later, I'm still totally fascinated by it. And, and I've thought about it a lot, actually, how to port something like this, if not this show, you know, some some way to get dreams into the 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 broader uh, mainstream without as you say kind of dumbing it down into these sort of 15 second quick what does this mean when I dream X 
which I, I totally agree. That's what happens when you get onto an Ellen or an Oprah. And you know, for me, my interest has always been um, this this intersection of private dreams and public myths, mm -hmm. right? How how what we think of or uh, what our level of awareness is as individuals, how that impacts our role in society and and what we and and the flows the general like cultural flows of ideas and and practices and how had so like I think about the dreams of the myth makers right like mm -hmm. people who who direct movies or who or who finance movies and you know things like policy all this the stuff that that causes huge shifts in the culture at large and how that relates to what we dream at, of as individuals or even what our sleep is like. I mean, I love it in your book when we say, you said something about um, sleep deprivation is outlawed by the Geneva Convention, <laughs> but most of us do it to ourselves. You know, like oh, how our individual uh, feedback response with sleep and dreams affects all of these massive shifts in the culture. And I really, I want to get at both of those things. And I think maybe there's a show in there I haven't quite gone beyond that point, but I, I don't mm -hmm. think that just talking about dreams as a as a separate little chunk like, oh, I don't know, dental care or something, you know, is is really the way to do it. I think it has to be cultural too. Yeah, I I, I think they're onto it, and and it's gotta right the the myths, the creativity. Um, yeah. I think it's gotta involve art and. Mm -hmm. It's got to be active, you know, and it's really kind of the idea of shifting a dream from something that happens to us to something that we are living, that right. we are living the dream, and 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 the dream is coming through us, and not just as we sleep, but as we are in our lives. Yeah. What are we, you know, embodying in our mm -hmm. in our you know in our lives? So what myths are we living and Mm -hmm. All of that stuff, it, yeah, it, and that that sounds like a much more fruitful, um, you know, and you, it, it would go so much farther than just sort mm -hmm. of like let's let's talk about what this dream means to me and, and what I'm anxious about right now, <laughs> right? <laughs> or right. like my high school locker dreams and Chris Lamarca who's listening, so <laughs> she had that dream today, um, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's great that we all have this dream, but there's are also more interesting things going on in the dream world than our lockers. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, well, here's something I uh, the last thing I want to ask you about in particular uh, from your book, and uh, you write about self knowledge, and we're sort of back to this whole idea of the feedback loop and and advancing or 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 refining our own personal mythology through an awareness of dreams and our and and what themes that we tend to dream about. You write that uh, self-knowledge never takes us where we want to go, but where we need to go. And uh, so I would love to, to have you expound on that a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. So, you know, um, the truth will set you free, but first it'll wreck your life. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Even if it's true. <laughs> Yeah, um, you know, being open to the being open to dreams, of course, is being open to 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 negative emotions and and stuff we don't want to necessarily face, and that's sort of the dirty truth of dream work. Um, and that's one of the things that gets that you, that gets broken down very quickly, especially like we were talking at the the, the high level where people of of media consumption, people seem to have this idea of dreams about 
being about fluffy bunnies and rainbows, and, and there's this very strange kind of like a cloud cover over what dreams are about, but when you look at the content, most emotions in dreams are negative, mm-hmm. um, overwhelmingly so. And, um, and, and so how do we deal with that? And, we, you know, and, and how do we work with that? And part of it, you know, from I guess an existential perspective, is simply just acknowledging it um, and, and then moving on and then finding ways not to, to dwell in it in an unhealthy way. Mm-hmm. And this is an important point because <clears throat> there is some evidence that, that dwelling on a negative dream can actually increase anxiety and increase depression and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so dreams don't have some sort of magical charm to them that they'll just like get you out of your problems. Right. That's a really, um, that's not true. Um, because dreams are a product of the creative thinking mind, and like all of our thought patterns, we can get stuck. And so if you are working on a dream in which you were stuck, you can get stuck working on the dream too. Um, and that's why it's really helpful to have a community. And that's what I really try to bring up with Dream Like a Boss in so many different ways, is there's ways to work with your dreams alone, um, that, especially for creativity and stuff. But, but dream work with people and communities, whether it's online, or just simply dream sharing with a partner, or you know, and then of course getting into a dream group. Those are really good ways to have a supportive community that can kind of prevent you from spinning your wheels and digging in deeper into self-delusion mm-hmm. um, and and not and not being able to get out of negative uh, emotional traces. Right. So so that's you know that's uh, that's the caveat always is that the dreams are important and because they're important they affect us. And so yes. there's right ways and wrong ways, you know, or better ways, I should say, of, of working with dreams. And you've mm-hmm. got to find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Right. That's absolutely right. Um, the, we have one more question. I think I can get it in, uh, which is one I was going to ask you anyway. But Chris asks, please tell us what else we can look forward to regarding your work in the coming year. What are you working on now, Ryan? Cool. Well, um, I've got some stuff in the hopper. Um, I'm going to produce Dream Like a Boss book two in the next few months. Great. Um, so I'm going to, um, I've got the manuscript, I have to get it um, edited and kind of clean it up a little bit, but it's basically some of the, um, the um, thornier issues in dream research and dream studies, and so I get into stuff like um, uh, psychic dreams and ancestral dreams, mm-hmm. um, as well as uh, lucid dreaming and Things that are um, more like altered states of consciousness than normal dreams, such as visitation dreams um, and sleep paralysis nightmares and hypnagogia. And so I kind of am going, you know, beyond um, everyday dreams into more of the extraordinary dream realm with book two. Um, and then uh, also in August, uh, I edited a collection that myself and Kelly Bulkley um, have done with Prager. It's going to come out on the topic of lucid dreaming. And I'm really excited about this because it's a two-volume anthology on lucid dreams, uh, 30 chapters by the top scholars um, in pretty much almost every field of study that looks at lucid dreaming from anthropology, neuroscience, film studies, um, history. We've got really some really original groundbreaking stuff uh, along with some people who've been in the lucid dreaming research field for 30 plus years. 
Wow. Um, two volumes. It's 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 a it's a hefty collection that's gonna that's sit in libraries and universities if all goes well. Mm -hmm. um, and um, hopefully Kelly and I will also be doing interviews with some of the people who um, wrote chapters for us in that, and oh, and we'll kind of be bringing that um, into probably a Google Hangout you know setting as well. Perfect. Wow, that's really exciting. I can't wait. I'm so glad. See, this is another great reason to have this show. I get to get review copies of all your guys' great books. <laughs> I will definitely be hitting you and Kelly up for an interview when that comes out. That's pretty exciting. Um, so I've been speaking today with Ryan Hurd, and Ryan's book now out on uh, the Kindle and various different utes on iTunes and all those things too, right? It's just actually, it's just a Kindle, Kindle exclusive. Kindle exclusive, dream like a boss, sleep better, dream more, and wake up to what matters most. Uh, really an excellent, just all-purpose entry into recent dream science, sleep science, and what the function of dreaming really is and where we can go with it. Um, it's been such a pleasure talking with you, as always, Ryan. Thanks so much. No, oh, I had a blast. It's too short as usual. I, can't I know. Wait to, <laughs> I can't wait to do it again. We'll have to do something about that. All right. Thanks so much. All right. Bye. Take care. Yeah.